0: Welcome back to Weebology. Thanks y'all for coming back to class. I am your most romantic professor, Ricky. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that is so not cool. Bro. I don't, uh, i just saying this. is what's happening today. Actually, I've got shivers now. I think we should probably end this because, uh. Already done? It's just not okay. What do you mean not okay? You're the most romantic professor.
0: I'm uh, just saying it's self-proclaimed. R- <laughs> it's, it's self-proclaimed. The same oh thing is. Oh my as, God hey man your ego is up here my romanticism is up here as well (laughs) all right guys we're we're here
1: guys and gals welcome back to the lab um i'm ethan (laughs) casual Uh, yeah just like about as chill as you could possibly be you do you do seem very
0: chill i'm jealous of your moxins right now very nice look
1: yeah bro um when you don't leave the house all day because you hustle so hard Yeah, I I did have a lot to do today, but that's neither here nor there. What are we doing on this Mother Duncan sick eve right now, Sunday Eve? Today, we're talking about a show that
0: I think could be in the running for one of the most celebrated anime of 2020. I'm, of course, talking about WIT Studios' 8.3 out of 10 Netflix show, The Great Pretender. Now, this, this anime, I don't know... It, something with this anime like hit me hard, like right in right where I live, dude. I, <laughs> I love this, not an-
1: expecting this. I love
0: this anime, I love it up and down. It's what-
1: great, but like, what hit you?
0: <laughs> I don't know. There's something about like the hu- just
1: like the fact that I'm such a hustler on these streets, you know what I mean? There's amazing, uh, maybe- I'm just like out there scamming people, bro. Because we have talked about
0: this show. a a little bit before we did this episode just in the last couple of days and i've and that was the question like why did this anime hit me so hard why was it so good and i think (laughs) i think it's a power fantasy in anime that hits a niche of power like a fantasy that i didn't think i needed right we have power fantasies and shonens and isekais you have romantic fantasies and like romance and harem shows but this is like a And I mean
1: you're 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 an absolute Casanova in that regard, right?
0: Oh yeah, I don't need a fantasy in that regard. Right, I just right, don't right. need anything in that regard. <laughs> but all the all things considered, this is a heist fantasy. This is Ocean's Eleven. This is like your Italian job. This is a show that I believe uh I, I think there have been others in the past for sure. I think Black Lagoon also kinda hit on this a little bit. But this one had a a, a certain style, a certain like pizzazz to it there's like a, a way the characters are written and the animation was uh was done and produced something about the formula here hit me like i don't know there was a fantasy that i didn't expect here and it, it was very cool it was very nice so what what were your initial thoughts so you it watched like, it
1: spoke to you is what you're saying it
0: did it spoke to me <laughs> it, it was a and again i don't uh, I, I don't necessarily see myself in a lot of these characters, but it was fun to see. Guys, I think
1: Ricky's trying to tell us that he wants to be a scam artist. I want to rob a
0: bank with you. He's a that's confidence a, man. I just want to rob a bank with you. That's all I want to do. But I want
1: to do it in a I way actually, that's. So I completely unrelated. I just okay. watched this movie called American Animals. Like literally today, I've he- I've never seen it, but I've heard of this. Basically, before. four college kids over in in uh, Kentucky decide to steal like the first edition charles darwin origin of species as well as like a few other like art books that are worth a shitload of money <laughs> what cuz it's just it was like just sitting in this in this um library like relatively unguarded okay and like to be honest like they were asking for it
0: they're they're at so you're saying this was a scheme too extreme for these four college kids
1: no, 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 The scheme was, like, reasonable. Okay. They were just, like, did some stupid shit that ended up fucking <laughs> them up. Okay. But, like, that's what I like about, like, so criminals that are bad are bad, if that makes sense. It makes sense. You know what I mean? They're, yes. they're bad. They're bad. There's no other way to- They do it. dumb, dumb things. There's no skirting around it. They're just bad. But what I like about, like, real criminals and, like, so, okay, real fictional criminals is okay. that they, like- Think of all of the, you know, potential contingencies.
0: Yes. You want to cover all your bases.
1: And that's what I think this show does extremely well, is it shows, like, all these moving parts, yet they're all kind of flowing toward a singular plan or a singular, like, let's just say, a crescendo.
0: Yes, actually very (laughs) well (laughs) apt. And, well, good use of accent in this episode, but... Well, thank you, my
1: friend. If
0: you stick to French, I will come over there.
1: My name is Laurent. Laurent City.
0: (laughs) Um, But this show, actually, the way it's structured adds credence to what you're saying is that They have arcs in a season, which was fascinating to me. And these arcs are individual heists that they do. And as you go through each of the three heists in this season, you basically are given all those contingencies played out in front of you, but also the preparation that this crew makes to ensure that these things don't happen. They thought it all through. It's galaxy brain fantasy, I think, is what it is, in terms of just criminality, and I love that. Um, So the show is split up into three separate heists following a crew of folks, and we have at the beginning our main character. Is it Mikado? Mikado Edamura? Yeah. Considered self-proclaimed, but also other people have called him this, Japan's greatest swindler. He's a confidence man. He is out here to make that quick cash, baby. That How- k-,
1: k-, k cash. That
0: buku dollars on the buku quick. How did you feel about him as a main character? I actually fell in love with him as a oh, main character,
1: Mister Romance over here. I'm fell just getting a little a with- uh, little <laughs> hot and heavy for Edamame over here, yeah. but no, Edam- uh, he was all right. Um, I think extremely naive, obviously. But talented.
0: I mean, he he basically yeah. he took everything in stride, which I think in itself is a talent. Like he was put in situations that were very high. Yeah, he stakes. was quite adaptable. I think is is the one thing I'd call him. There you
1: go, hundred percent,
0: dude. He was a he was a chameleon socially and and heist wise. He basically fit every role that they needed him to be in. So, uh, but he was definitely kind of conned throughout the entire thing to fit uh to fit our our. I would say the best confidence man in the world's piece. Who is that man? Our Frenchman.
1: Laurent. Thierry. Think his name? Yeah. Yeah, it's Lament. like
0: Thierry. Lament is a Frenchman that basically researches Japan's greatest swindler because he finds him promising as someone to join this crew that he has. And he is playing 5D chess while Edomura is playing checkers. Like, And he plays checkers well. But he ain't playing 5D chess until he joins Lithorant. So,
1: yeah, it's really just like a magnitude difference. Like, yes. uh, Edamora was like, you know, working on the $100,000 scale, and this dude's working on the hundreds of million dollar scale. Absolutely. With like a full scale operation, a lot of moving parts, like I mentioned, and just like a relatively large support staff and team. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Edamora's naivete obviously makes sense for like the the pond he was playing in essentially. Yeah, he was, um, he was but, too big of a fish and too small of a pond, I would say. Well, yeah, but I'm saying when you put a, a small, uh, so a big fish from a small pond into a humongous pond, the world's biggest pond, right, if you would say, they're in a lot more danger and they don't really know what's going on, and that's kind of what you feel throughout the show. Um, I don't know. Uh, so. Let's just preface, first of all, that this is from this year, but as of right now, during this episode, there's only been half the season is out on Netflix.
0: Yes. If you want to sail the high seas of piracy, you could, in fact, find them all. I couldn't, actually, because I was so hype at the end of episode 13, I think is on Netflix, maybe 12 or 13. Um, I wanted to watch more. I was, I was jonesing, and I tried to find it, and I actually couldn't. So, I mean, you got to go searching, but I think the first half is a fantastic easily accessible chunk of this season but there is much more to come I think it's gonna come to Netflix very soon I'm not really sure when that's coming out didn't re- didn't do that research but
1: yeah so uh it's like supposed to be playing like right now that's why it no it like physically isn't oh out yet.
0: right so it's literally airing now yes okay word all right so yeah we literally
1: had this last episode where we talked about this i know i know i know i'm just saying you just got distracted because of my insanely dope accents
0: yeah dope is a word i might use
1: (laughs) yeah of course of course (laughs) i can't think of another word that makes any any more sense
0: so i think the one thing i wanted to say before we start jumping into uh, obvious spoilers for this show um and it's very easy to talk about this on a podcast because it has three distinct parts to talk about. And I do actually have a favorite heist of the three. Um, I am a self-proclaimed sub boy. I love subs. I think it encapsulates the original intent and emotion of the Japanese voice actors. Watch this in dub. Do not even hesitate. And I'll tell you a couple reasons why. So this show, being as an international setting as it is, incorporates at least five other languages besides the ones they're commonly speaking, the common tongue. I think they try to speak in English so-to-speak in most of the show, even when they speak in Japanese. They reference how Edamura's English is getting better throughout the show, so they're commonly speaking in English. But in dub, they do some really subtle voice acting, and it's it, it pays credence to how good the English voice actors were, where Edamura had a Japanese accent near the beginning, But it slowly faded as he was more accustomed to English, just showing how well he adapts. I loved the hell out of that. So good. I love Lorentz's voice as well. Very confident. Very smooth. It was it was great. Abby was a she was a feisty one. And she was she was a firecracker. She was a firecracker. She was she was great. I loved her. And Cynthia Moore. She was I like. She was kind of like their their bombshell they'd send in as like the femme fatale. Their honeypot, Uh, my guy. Yes, honeypot, for sure. It looks like you know espionage. We should go rob a bank. You already got this on lock.
1: Yeah, I watched Archer. I read books, (laughs) you know,
0: stuff like that. You're more of a spy than I could ever be. So that's why I need you. So like,
1: if you guys want a kind of comparison to Western media... Um, it had, like, sort of Burn Notice vibes. I don't know if you've ever yeah. watched Burn Notice. I watched
0: a lot of Burn Notice on USA when I was in, like, high school and, like, right. part of college. Yeah. It,
1: it, like, honestly has heavy that vibes because it's, like, mostly, like, some bad guy in the area. Yeah. That they're, like, conning out of money.
0: And there's multiple episodes. It's not, like, just a one and done. It's very, like, right. rolling. So I like that a lot because I felt like it. it they did the pacing in this show. My God, it was great because like you felt the stakes grow and grow and grow. And then once that heist ended, they had a really nice, easy episode and then it would very seamlessly get you back. And there are a lot of time skips to help you with that. And it was just like, oh, and this is where everyone is now, like two years later. And it was like uh, the time f- the time span of the show was like, what, like three or four years because Adam Earl was in prison a couple times in this show yeah
1: i think it was actually probably more than that like yeah, five six
0: there you go i mean so it, it, you're watching what felt like an epic's worth of time scaling in 12 to 13 episodes and i i think they did that so masterfully in terms of how all the characters just find their way back to each other so uh burn notice is a really good way to put it um i felt i felt very you know like you know those big big spy movies, Italian Job, Ocean's 11. Like, you were... And that's just, like, one heist. And it felt that way for the for the entirety of a single heist. So, um, who's your favorite character in the crew? Before we get into it.
1: I'm going to comment on what you just said, though. Okay. So, it is... It's heisty, but it's not. So, like, they're not, like, stealing from a bank. They're not, like, stealing art off a wall or something like that, right? It's not, like, a traditional heist. It's more like a long con that they're all kind of like working toward. Yeah. Now okay. in some of those heist movies, there is this like con man aspect. And right. so like, I agree that that definitely tracks, but I don't want people to think that they're out there like robbing banks and shit. Like, that's a good point.
0: Yeah. They're not, they're not, it's, it's weird because they're doing criminal acts, but they do it in such a prepared and methodical way. It almost doesn't feel like criminality until the pop. Right finally when they get their get like get their goat and they finally get what they're getting to get out only then does it feel like it's a criminal act but right. up to that point they are so well trained well prepared that it really does feel just like a uh, just like a high stakes game of like pretend um, like a great pretend if anything <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean to go there but that's just how it went but yeah it really no, is I, it's, I mean, it's acting it's acting it, it it's, really is it's just theatrics like, yeah it's
1: it's very high class RP, yes, high class role playing. Class
0: role playing. Um, but yeah, I still want to hear. Like before we get into each of the heists, uh, what was your who's your favorite character in the whole in the whole gang?
1: Uh, Cynthia was hot. And Cynthia was hot. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Laurent was a complete asshole. Yet. Like everyone still followed him because he was just so big brain. He's so confident.
0: I think that's what it is. And he is big brain, but he just thinks of everything that could go wrong. And he's like, oh, yeah, we got, we got plan like W, but we're only on plan T. Like, right. Yeah.
1: So, like, I, I do like that about him. Um, he's just, like you said, extremely prepared. Um, kind of has like has his shit together, but he's also not afraid to like improvise when, when the time comes. Cause there's a couple times where, You know, different characters within the show do some like dumb shit. I want to talk about in the first heist because I think that's where they did that the best. Stop uh, saying heist. They're heists. They're heists. Fine. The the
0: the first job. (laughs) Let's let's do jobs. Okay, they're jobs. But all things considered, um, Laurent is a character that is written to excel on the front foot. There's a lot of characters that when their back is against the wall. It's a very shonen thing, I think. When your your main character is on the back foot. That's when they're at their most uh, engaging and interesting to watch. <coughs> uh-huh.
1: Use K, you're a mess. <laughs> yes, for sure. He literally can't do anything unless he's unless about he's in to a corner. Die. Yeah,
0: but no. But Laurent is the exact opposite, and that might be why it's so refreshing. As a shonen schmuck, self-proclaimed, it was it was refreshing to see a character that. You know, even when it felt like he was about to be in a corner, he just weaseled back to the front of the pack. Like, it was not even... He was like a fish in water. It was casual, without a problem. Um, So, I think that makes him up there. But I loved Abby. Abigail Jones. She could do anything. You ask her to do something, and she does it. Hey, go fly this biplane in a high-stakes race. All right. Give me, like, a couple
1: weeks to learn how to do it, if that. Like... Yeah, she, she was cool. Um... I don't know, they like, I'd say like the the craziest part about the show is like everyone's backstory was so ridiculous, like so tragic, every single one of them. I agree. Except for we never know a single thing about Laurent.
0: That might be season, that might be the second half of the season. Probably. Yeah, but I agree to that to a degree, where that would have been messy if they didn't compartmentalize each of these backstories into a job. Sure. You noticed, yeah. So I think if they were to have been muddying with a couple of them through the entire season, it would have gotten kind of tragedy all throughout. But you had what felt like at the end of, like, a certain job, we go into Abby's backstory and a certain job, we go into Cynthia's backstory. But you not only got a job's completion, but the entirety of a character's backstory and development in that same season. It felt finite on multiple levels at the end of each job. And that felt really refreshing and really, uh, really satisfying to to see that.
1: Yeah, because I mean, so for each of the chapters, uh, like one of the main cast will be dealing with something within themselves. So they're not only closing the the chapter or the book on like the actual job that they're doing, they're also closing it on their past and like the things that really wounded them and kind of gotten them into the situation where they are con people essentially.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure, and. There's building tension in in I think in stories like this and criminality and and con man kind of things is really easy. what's hard is to do it in a way that feels uh i don't know it, it feels meaningful and impactful and then how do you cut that off in a show where you have more than one of that in a movie you can just okay, the movie resolves roll credits, but you have three of them in just the first half of the season. how do you Make that impactful, and then jump to that high tense moment, and then suddenly back to just casual. Oh, we're all back in our lives now. Um, this show does it very well, and I think using character past resolutions was a very nice way to add a nice note at the end of each of them to make you feel like.
1: Well, I think it just increases the amplitude of the ending. Yes, I don't yes. think it really like did anything better for the like transition to not doing a job. I think the only reason that that seemed like it tied up really well is at the end of every job, Makoto continually will just be like, I don't want to be a con man anymore. And just like goes off and does something dumb. You know what I mean? Like, like something very mundane every time. Yeah. And the rest of the squad will fly away and they're like private jets and shit with all their money and go do something else. Right. So like the finality of each of these chapters is just more down to like the fact that like everyone parts ways at the end.
0: But imagine—that's I mean, what I'm saying. Like, imagine if the characters that were struggling at the end of a job, they kept showing that character struggling. It wouldn't feel staccatoed. It wouldn't feel like finite. And well, it's
1: just because we don't see those guys anymore. I guess you're right. I,
0: I mean, that—that's—that's that's a good point. And <laughs> but that's—that's that's part of it too. I love the—I love the whole Edamura thing. Like every time
1: they pull me out, they pull me right back in. They just keep. I mean, I guess, but like at a certain point, this is what I said in my five-minute review: is like at a certain point, like, start learning, bro. Like, I instantly knew when shit was, like, starting to look, like, really, really good for him for no reason, I'm like, wow, I wonder if somebody's setting you up, you ate If Lorenz
0: got you on, got you by the balls in this one, like, you're about to be part of a job whether you like it or not. Yeah,
1: like, even, even, you know, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but fuck it, spoiler warning, Mm -hmm. there's this portion where he comes out of prison, and then he goes to train on, like, I was just going to bring like that up, a yeah. car repair shop and then transitions to an airplane repair shop. And he's there for like maybe a month, two months. And then he like gets this like insane job opportunity. Yeah, It's like
0: four months total for both of these jobs yeah. together. Yeah
1: wow yeah and and he's just like oh wow you're the best man i love you so much to his boss and it's like obviously something's up here dum-dum this can't yeah you're clearly being groomed for something like and the thing is i think i caught it a
0: bit later than you did i caught it when the guy was telling him his his mentor on the biplanes he was telling him about like what it's like to be an engineer for biplanes like engineer it's a balance of chemist, like chemistry and engineering and blah 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 i'm like wait a minute this is a fed fucking line wait a minute this is this is and then i'm waiting for someone to pop
1: out and didn't happen for another 10 minutes and i'm like ah that blonde motherfucker here he is again i knew it um well, i mean from the very the middle of the first one after they explained the very first like sort of thing that got him to la yeah i'm like okay so now i know everything that's going on is going to be completely fake you know what I mean? That's <laughs> a good point. I so, never, like, I as a viewer, like, I felt like it was a slightly cheapened by the fact that they literally explained that they just tricked this kid into going to L.A. with them, Right? Like... That's true. Like, it was only cheapened because, like, now I'm thinking, okay, anything that's happening around this guy is obviously set up. So, like, some of the situations that they get into at the end of chapter one, which are, like, pretty wild, I'm like, I already know what's going on. You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, also... He must not read a lot of crime novels, old Mikado, but
0: <laughs> can't i
1: I like knew for sure that it would be ridiculous how fast the cops caught up with them, yeah, and I would imagine he would a little bit more savvy than that, in that's terms what I was saying because his, wasn't is
0: that a defense attorney? Yes, yes, so like you would think that he grew up around the rhetoric and the thinking of this, so it and he's a swindler, he's a con man even on a small scale he should have been maybe that's just big fish small momentality like he had he literally figured his pond out right he never had to think bigger so maybe that could give him like a defense for him about why he just didn't consider that but at the same time Laurent basically like found him cherry picked him and groomed him for some level of talent that he does have innate talent for this but he seemed oblivious in a lot of areas that you think he would have caught on earlier, right? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean that's my main issue. Is like, yeah. you really would expect something a little bit different, you know?
0: Yeah. So I mean, this is a good time to start feeding into the chapter since you kind of went into the first. So this is hard spoiler warning, but we're gonna we're gonna break down these three chapters, these three jobs, and uh, we'll I I have a personal favorite, and we'll we'll kind of go over it at the end. But uh, chapter one, Drug Palooza is what I call it. <laughs> but this is where he gets to start right he uh he's kind of swindling around and he's shown kind of like trying to sell bullshit water water purification systems to people in the area and he has a co- he has a confidence assistant named kudo who kind of is like the prep man he goes in as like the hard sell he's like uh hey you need to buy this it's the law and then he then he comes in Edomare comes in as kind of like the, yo, don't listen to those guys, but okay, I just checked your water. Maybe it is important you get these. It's a good scheme. And then he gets schemed himself. How does right. he get, Yeah. What happens after that? Where, where does he go from here? I mean, he's doing his thing. Like, how did he get picked up? You know, I actually kind of forget what happened. So after the... Nope, after this, basically runs into Laurent, and he basically does a wallet switch okay. on him right there, yeah. and he actually did it by, like a double switch, and he actually got the one with the money back, but he actually bought a fake one to put in his back pocket, and then he goes and finds the guy, and he's like, you can be doing better than this, I'm going to LA, do you want to come? This is the part in that one I actually didn't like very much. Because, I thought he, like... Uh, no, you tell me what happens.
1: Though. He, like, literally just follows him to L.A. That's what I'm
0: saying. But, like, he follows him. I didn't... Why would he have been able to plan that? Why would the rent know he would have just followed him to L.A.? Because he's he
1: sent cops, They fake cops, to his house, remember?
0: You're right. Fake cops to his house. And he, yeah. and he
1: also gave him a wallet with, like, 150,000 yen in it, if you don't remember. I thought he took the one with the cash. Like, I thought he gave him, the like, because like, he... He accidentally rent, took back the one that has only paper in it, so he basically lost 5 million yen. Oh, right. But then why were the cops there? The, because they, oh, he's a swindler. <laughs> he's a swindler, so they
0: basically faked it then.
1: Yeah, he, okay. everything was faked in the first one. That was the
0: whole point. Right, but then, like, from that point, that's the one thing I didn't understand. Why was his only recourse then just follow him to L.A.? Like, he basically just remembered, like... Was he just trying to get his money back? Like, I didn't understand the motive for why. Well, I'm Edmero sure that had a gone. lot to
1: do with it, but I also feel like, and this is very headcanony, but y okay. but I feel like he saw, like, Lorenz clearly got his shit together, like, he's an absolute thug. Um, Just, like, how quickly he switched back the wallet and stuff like that, and then, um, basically from there, I think he just decided he wants to go with him until he gets his money back. That was that was the motive he said out loud. But
0: how will of the rent? A guy who has a to z planned, all contingencies gathered, trusted this kid to follow him because he was integral to this plan. Like he needed Eda to do this plan at all. So you would think he would have had something at least. Maybe maybe we
1: just didn't see the backup. I, he did. He had this kid basically running from the law as far as he knew right like they oh, know who so he is did he, so
0: did he basically use the cops to like funnel him to the airport yes i never caught on that i thought he just like he okay, funneled I- him into his car and he was going to the airport no he got into the taxi and he just happened to be that taxi you really think he wasn't just like sitting there waiting for him he's too big brain for me uh, yeah. i'm just saying he's like too big brain for me i can what do i'm it. trying
1: to say is like once you realize what actually happened in the first scheme you're like okay now, kid, you should really realize this guy is a little bit smarter than you're giving him credit for. <laughs> he has planned the shit out of everything. So it's literally like an inception situation right, where right. they like trick this guy into thinking that they're this this dream force that that can like save them. Mm-hmm. And they end up basically getting him to renounce his whole like fortune. By, like, yeah. pretending like they're helping him, and that's sort of what happened here. Right. Well,
0: then, once he gets to L.A., the yeah. entire reason why he, uh, basically, Laurent wanted Edimer to come with him, <laughs> he goes there because Laurent has a certain buyer of something <laughs> he's trying it to supply. Yeah, yeah. This drug that is not exactly a drug, more like dope-ass Japanese candy. But Sakura Magic, Sakura <laughs> Magic. And he wants to sell it at a very fucking high price. Yeah. And how do you legitimize it, Ethan? You bring the fucking doctor who made it. Right. Doctor Edamura. Well, what was his what was his fake name in this one? I no idea. Oh, suddenly someone doesn't know anything, do they? Mm. (laughs) I know his real name.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. What did you think his real name was? Uh, I was going to say Doctor Edamura. No, 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 no. Originally, before this started rolling, what did you think it was? uh, Doctor Strange. It was like Chad or some shit. I was talking about Classroom from the not. Elite.
0: Don't even lie. I was <laughs> talking about class from the Elite. Touché, dude. Oh, my God. You can talk about it all He's day. He's frustrating about me class. today, folks. I'm not frustrating you for anything. You He's love out me. here lying you and shit. You love me and you know it. I'm a romantic right, guy. Let's you go. You love me and you know it. But Okay, so he brings a fake doctor <laughs> to, <laughs> He's a
1: romantic guy. <laughs> I'm a
0: romantic guy. But he, uh, he brings a fake doctor to yep. legitimize a fake drug And they do one more... I'm queuing you up, but I know what happens. They also legitimize it by popping it in someone's mouth. The someone isn't just a
1: someone. Yeah, so they've got people planted at the guy's operation. Right.
0: I love (laughs) this character. I love her Uh, so much. Which is...
1: Abby's first introduction.
0: Abigail Jones. Yeah, so basically she pops this in her mouth and she goes fucking ballistic. Yeah,
1: absolutely buck wild. Yes,
0: so basically they think like, wow, this is basically like the best upper on the planet. I want it, I need it, I have to have it. And he said, we'll give you an exclusive deal for five million big ones. That's all from me. But then, this is the part that I love and that's why I think Edamura is kind of, you know, this is why Laurent picked him up, right? It's a mix of like, he's using his own naive nature, but also his ability to adapt to his, to his favor because him freaking out because he pops something in his mouth and it's just candy. Him freaking out makes it look like he too is on the drug and he just escapes the compound. Right. Pretty clean. Um, but, uh, what does he what does he do after that? He basically is, he basically doubles the offer but he does his homework, right?
1: Yeah, so Edamura uh, yeah, basically yeah. goes through these crises in each of these um different chapters where mm-hmm. he's like, should I really be doing this? Like right. like what is the point of what what I my life basically? Right. And for whatever reason he finds meaning through the capsule machines throughout Japan and different places. And the first one, he finds this great war captain, whatever his name is, and he thinks, I'm a conqueror. I'm going to conquer this. So when they originally were on the flight to L.A., he tells Laurent, oh, yeah, well, you think you're so good? Well, I'm going to get this guy to pay for for it and double the price. Whatever you say. And then at that point, you have to do, like, whatever I want, essentially. And And so... He basically realizes, like, I can't just live, you know, this this dumb life where I'm just, like, scooting by on, you know, whatever. And so he decides he's going to make him pay double for it. And so he studies all his films. He finds out, like, what, what is the true core of this man? Because he's a director. He
0: makes films. That's his whole shtick. So he found that, like, all right, get on his good side,
1: become like kind of meet him at meet him on his plane right like appeal to what it is at the core of his human that makes him like an artist quote unquote right that really is his like first true lesson as like a a world-class con
0: man is that you aren't just conning someone to get your goal you're conning them to trust whatever you're selling is what they want and it's not even doesn't have to necessarily be like a product it's just i'm selling me like our connection so he, he kind of grew in this moment, which I loved so much, that he's willing to do, um, you know, basically fake a relationship, I would say. He didn't just fake a sale. He faked this entire passion to get this doubling down, and it fucking worked. Like, he crushed it.
1: Right, so, you know, they... The other two in the squad, Laurent and Abby, thought he had basically ran away, and they get to the right. place the where the guy lives, uh, the the mob boss who also makes movies for whatever reason. <laughs> they all um, make movies. I don't know. So they go to his house, and they're like, you know, basically expecting there to be some fallout for Edamore not being there, and then they're like, look, we're sorry that he, he he just had to go, and he's like, what do you mean? He's in the pool right now. He is straight. Thugging, like yeah, chilling. I, I, that was
0: what, that's why I think that might be the moment that hooked me. I'm like, okay, maybe it's just this guy trying to outrun basically a Black Lagoon situation. Like, I don't want to be part of this, but he's just, yeah,
1: I got him to pay 10000000 and million. I'm just chilling out here. Like, it's definitely a little Black Lagoon y, but I think the difference this is this is where it
0: differs. I think,
1: like, instead of being from like a world outside of this yeah. and like then being thrust into it and kind of getting like a like a taste for it essentially. He was already sort of in this world. It was just like different scales, like we talked about. He like, just didn't know how big the world you know, he was
0: already in could be. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um But then but then again, like you thought that like, oh, you know, Adam has got his shit together. He basically made it work. And this is why the show is great right here. And you see this in a couple in the other two, I think, in some capacity. The stakes just ramp.
1: Yeah, so Ramp. he he thought he could get away with ratching up the demands based on like giving him a like an additional which is I'll give you the recipe for it so you can literally be the only one to make it. Yeah. But he he went too far and he basically said like how much, you know, the artist needs to be involved for the art to be the same and that kind of got the guy thinking, yeah, you're right. I do need you to make it. And so, basically tricks him on accident into basically needing him to physically make it. It
0: basically becomes a Breaking Bad situation. Right. I need the Heisenberg to have my blue crystal, essentially. But what you just said was actually, I found that to be a fantastic foreshadowing for the third heist theme. The artist needs to be involved for the art to be legitimate, which we find out later isn't necessarily true later in the show, which... You know, this show is beautiful in that, you know, the big overarching abstract themes detached from the actual setting and characters does find itself planted in other uh, parts of this season. So um, we'll get to that third, but I'll come back to that in a second. But it's a nice foreshadowing moment. So I love the uh, the way that basically Laurent is just like, OK, you're staying up all night, kid. I got a drug, I got a drug manufacturer right here. You're going to fucking watch him do his shit and you got to do it tomorrow. And I'm like, there's no fucking way that this kid is going to do that. <laughs> there
1: so is that a- was actually the one thing that I felt was like a little bit too much of an ass pull, Okay. It's like Laurent was with them in LA and then he <laughs> somehow is in Mexico with a drug dealer like that next evening, essentially. And he's back that next morning. Right, right, like like the timing doesn't make sense. And then also it's like, okay, like what I, my uh, ni- my initial thought after that first like kind of reveal was that, okay, he's, he's planning everything, like even contingencies. But I don't think there's any way he could have planned for him to have asked, like basically given him a fake recipe. Right. Like, I don't understand how he could have planned for something like that. Unless he was assuming that the guy could potentially ask them to make it in front of him, which I think is reasonable. I think
0: it is too, but I think this shows. But they a little... should have said
1: something about that, though, right? And instead this... of make it like super ass pulley, super like super like deus ex machina type shit.
0: Yeah, I, I think the deus ex machina's in this show there's a couple, but I do think it it is legitimized by the fact of how internationally connected Laurent is. Like it's not so unbelievable. Maybe the timing of his like it's like exit and reentry is unbelievable but him knowing a guy like it would have been more believable if he just opened an ipad with you know edamora right there and said this is my boy mexico i know he can do this look at him that could have been just as just as easily done but legitimized way more but his, well yeah I,
1: I think that wouldn't really make sense for the story because at at, at that point edamora was kind of like living in under that other dude's control Remember he oh, was like constantly right. under the other guy's thumb,
0: so you couldn't have Laurent just come in watch. Right, right. yeah, okay, like, I can see that. like there would
1: have been been like a little bit too many eyes on yeah, on this and they gave him
0: accommodations and shit just to keep him under wraps. okay, okay. Yeah, that, so like that
1: was all great. And actually, I. So the way I'm thinking about it now, I don't think we should really go into like every single thing of I, of all three of these because I think it would take too fucking long. Just
0: outlining the first one's good, but we'll we'll dive into the second. But one, like yeah.
1: the ending of the first one is my favorite. I think yep. it, it was yep. really, really, really well done, and like really like clapped up the bad guys. Yeah. Um. Just massive fan of the the first one. Like actually, like from beginning to end, I really enjoyed that first kind of uh chord, if you want to call that
0: yeah um i I, this was my i don't know man like i feel like that i like the ones with a little bit of character backstory because i was really interested in i think the third one for me was my favorite character wise this one was just like this hooked me into the show in terms of jobs best like
1: yeah i think it was my favorite then third then singapore i did not enjoy singapore at all let's go into singapore so not that i didn't at all it just it wasn't as good as either of the other two
0: it basically ends where uh, the first one ends essentially that there is a standoff about a trade-off with these drugs and he was asked by the fbi to spy while he made the drug and there is a standoff but it turns out that everyone that was in that standoff was very much also planted and that just shows how much control Laurent has in these situations, which makes the second and third kind of more interesting because there's more variables at play in right. the second and third. So Singapore, ten thousand feet, almost literally. Well, what, what are we doing here? This is the this is the biplane thing we were talking about, yeah.
1: Yeah, basically there's this this like air race setup for currently in Singapore, and they. Basically run like a league of Formula One in the air, essentially. And we have our uh, the leader of
0: said uh, organization and league is Sam Ibrahim. And his brother, who is kind of the flashy Formula One driver, gets the girls and the money and all that, is Clark Ibrahim. And uh, these two brothers basically have a stranglehold on all of the wins, the betting, the outcomes. It's very scripted. Right. But, yeah, so it that's kind of what's going on in terms of where they're about to jump this entire team into. So I kind of forget basically they this heist, sorry, job. This this job is to basically ruin Sam, right? Because he has been staging this whole thing this whole time or I I'm, I'm I'm literally forgetting what the team is going in to do here.
1: Well, basically they just want to take all the dude's money. Yeah, they just want like, to ruin it. Obviously, yeah. but um they were contacted by Lewis originally. Yes. Who is basically he was the foil to Clark for a long time and something weird happened and his plane kind of exploded and now he is <laughs> his plane kind of exploded. It, yeah. it might have just a little bit, a little you know bit. what I mean? They're, yeah, I going to do it. Kiss the ground a bit. Yeah, he hit the
0: water pretty freaking hard, but he was the only guy to defy this set stranglehold that the Ibrahim brothers had on their league, and it made for good TV, made for good races, but he flew a little, flew a little too close to the sun there. Very Icarus esque Icarus esque That's a good way to say it. And so
1: he ends up, you know, basically wheelchair-bound, and basically the squad was called in to fuck these dudes up
0: Mm-hmm. literally take down the entire league Just fucking financially ruin them um I would agree that this might be my least favorite um it-, it wasn't bad by any measure I think this is the first time we got that interesting character backstory introduction arc and resolution um because uh to basically get themselves in the inside they had Abby become a uh air f1 racer essentially and right th- this is why i think i fell in love with her character she is just so fucking capable like they literally just said go learn how to do this and maybe it was a longer time in the making than i realized because the timeline gets a little stretchy here right because he uh, uh Murrow, was in the biplane shop and the car shop for a hot minute so maybe abby had some time to train But I don't think that's the case, right? Because No, so
1: they were actually running a small-scale version of this scam like right up until they started the big one. That's right. um, Which I actually thought was very, very cool, the way they showed us like on a small scale how it would work. Right. And then like basically amp up the complexity, amp up all the stuff and see kind of how you would do it on a massive scale. Mm -hmm. And I think – so you know, basically showing that these are are really strong plots right they're just like kind of scalable yeah and I, I think
0: it's great that they don't necessarily have to show us everything they just say that you know the preparation work has been done just show us flashes of it but we're now about to execute the thing like right we're ready right. to go yeah really cool so Uh, They hit themselves in Singapore. They start to basically this is where like more honeypots shit starts to happen. They got Cynthia in the mix now because she was the lead FBI chick in the first one. So they rolled her into the team more officially, at least from an on-screen perspective. And now she's kind of like getting sweet up to to Sam Ibrahim. We got Abby getting sweet to Clark because they're the racers and she's posing as the owner of the team. Very well thought out. I will give that this one that credit because it's. But I can't, the complexity here, the variables, so many things can go wrong, and they're trusting Edimer to be the engineer, which is why he was doing the whole biplane shit. Right. Yeah. Um. Why was this your least favorite? I'm just
1: curious. I don't know. If, well, first of all, I, I don't like Abby's backstory. Like. <laughs> it was all right. It was okay. Basically, she's an Iraqi citizen that had collateral damage happen to her, and her family died while she was there.
0: She became a child so- soldier, soldier, and so then that's right. she
1: became basically a child version of Taliban. And then they drove her into a freaking army base, and they all got killed. And yep. somehow she got away. They didn't explain it at all. But she was basically holding any any soldier who did anything to these Iraqi citizens, and basically, specifically the Air Force, like holding them personally responsible for this that
0: but that scene with her and lewis was fucking awesome
1: it was good but just like there's an absolute like i don't know yeah maybe the real world was was bleeding in too much for me but it's like yeah that's a good point like it's pretty brain dead to you know Yes, I understand. A bomb dropped in your city and you got hurt and your family got hurt, but like you're at war. Like,
0: I think it only worked because of the connection. And it's the thing like it wasn't ham, I didn't feel like the connection was ham fisted. You know, Lewis was a very capable pilot, but his training was in military. And she put it together that spoiler warning if anyone hasn't seen this this far, but Lewis was the one to be patrolling and dropping over where that's the
1: biggest piece of shit is the like he was in the area there's no possible way he was like on that exact day that was my mission but that's what i'm saying is that she's
0: so ptsd'd out and so had so much anger that the fact that he was even involved over that at the same time in a general area it probably wasn't even him right but she just was the backstory was well paced to the point where like she was boiling over and she's now i think what's really potent is that she is now participating in the same kind of activity of the pilots that, like, she's flying in those planes. She's now kind of embracing the kind of work that the guys who took her whole squad out and family out were doing.
1: So there Yeah, is- and I, I guess I struggled with her PTSD while flying because, like, that has never occurred before. So, like, her seeing bombs exploding while she's flying is, like, a little bit, like, unnecessarily, like abstract I yeah, feel like if there yeah. was fireworks a lot of like if if they waited till it was after the race every time when there's fireworks
0: that actually i could okay, understand I can, it I can jump on that
1: but yeah. like it was like in the middle she'd like freaking dive out of the sky and just like start like feigning essentially yeah and I'm like okay but like we've not established any previous trauma related to you flying right I that the the way I reconciled
0: it because you're right there's a couple loose connections there I think she is now embracing in her own brain. I don't. I. I. You know the tragedy that is PTSD. I don't know where the connections lie in those situations, but I think in her brain, I can only imagine that she's like now. I'm kind of embracing the enemy. Like I'm now part of what caused me so much tragedy. That's the only thing I can kind of put it together, and it's not that far fetched. But um, the I would say this is my least favorite, just because of I. I. I didn't like necessarily... I love F1 stories. Some of the most interesting sporting historical stories I've ever seen have come from F1. Um, But, like, this one felt like they could have just made it F1. Like, do these these plane races exist, right? They're actually a thing, for sure, right?
1: I don't think you can fly... (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) I I feel like I've seen it on TV. Yeah, maybe, like i don't know o- if they're off over the ocean or something there's no way they do ones through the middle of a city you know what i mean i think they're more like time trials there's no race like yeah yeah, yeah 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 and i okay. think like the fact that they did mention how expensive it was to like run this organization but they didn't explain what the expenses were yeah. like if you weren't somebody that like knows anything about business i can see how that would be like well is this guy rich or not you know what i mean like yeah They basically said that they were both like oil princes who were like basically shedded from their family.
0: And they just happen to have shit ton of
1: money. And so they have a ton of of money, but they didn't really explain like how much money and then like how much are they spending on this air race? Is the air race like more of a like a like a scheme right like are they right. laundering money through it like they, they they did a really poor job of setting up like the finances because
0: what was her true crime
1: right like, Their true w- exactly crime, what is the crime the setting crime up was races
0: sabotaging lewis in a way that could have killed well him.
1: so does fucking wwe that doesn't right. mean like you know what i mean like i i don't know i i guess i was that was also my problem with that one is just like what exactly are they doing wrong here? You know, my
0: and I think they, that does come up a couple times like like the even even Sam's like it's entertainment like it's scripted, but people love to watch it. Right. Yes, that's the thing. And the one thing I, I think my least favorite thing about this one before we move on the fucking fake betting situation. They set up a hotel room, the squad to get Sam to come bet more and more of his cash and basically get him more trust trustworthy of this secret underground betting area for the races of the races he's setting up, which the concept is clever, but the the way he could have alleviated himself from all of this strife is not fucking bet, just you have millions in this race, like why don't you just like keep the league
1: like well I don't that's get... what he was so that's what I mean is like they did a really poor job explaining yeah, that they were, I don't get it they were failing financially. Because it costs oh, okay. a lot of money, right. first of all, to own all these planes, but also, like, to fly through the middle of Singapore, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> the, like the, the sanctions alone. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, think about all that. Like, the permits are probably ridiculous. Insane. There, there's probably a lot of problems with, like, you know, if a plane crashes in the middle of a city, like, what do you do? Right. Like, I, I <laughs> what,
0: think... What do you do? You I, just kill dozens, if not hundreds. Like,
1: you gonna pay for that? I, I mean yeah i get it there's a lot of things here that just didn't make a sense i mean of sense nato me. would get involved like asap probably <laughs> i'm shocked they haven't gotten involved sooner i mean you're like dropping a bomb essentially in the middle of a city right yeah so um yeah i mean and again it was enjoyable to watch it just felt
0: the the least thought through uh, of all of the in terms of a writing standpoint it's just
1: yeah i mean things. i think it really showcased lorenz f- thinking like it was very, very complex what they pulled off.
0: Yeah, and I, I like the fact that not everything was accounted for. Truly, um, like but what the
1: like, I don't, I do not believe. I think the third one was the least accounted for. Third story. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah,
0: I, I, th- but I think that's the rents, and I, I'm excited to see the second half of this overall 24 season because I think there's going to come a point. Where it gets too big for even Laurent, and I hope Edamura comes up and rises to the occasion to cover his ass.
1: No way. If that think... happens, I'm going to be actually pissed. I don't think so. Well, it needs to progress calmly. It can't just happen. Yeah, out of nowhere. in one season, the the gap between them seems like it would take a thousand years that'd to be, fill. That'd be uh, that's the thing. It doesn't have to just be filled. It can you be... whelp, you're a thousand years too young to challenge me. <laughs> right? Oh
0: yeah, he's such a good boy. Um. But no, I think that would be a great season finale,
1: episode 24,
0: where Edamura just literally like pops off, thought of something, Laurent didn't, just that one little thing, and he had it covered. That'd be dope as fuck.
1: Maybe like a small detail, but like- A small but crucial detail. If it takes any like long-term planning or like external stuff, like the kid just doesn't have it, man. Well, that's the thing. I think Laurent hired or picked him up because I think he might- but it's going to, right,
0: it's going to take a long time for him to get well,
1: there. Well, he keeps refusing all the money, so, like, he has no money. <laughs> I you guess know he has no, I mean?
0: yeah, he has no sense, so I guess he has to keep coming back. He um, keeps
1: giving it to, like, victims of his water purification scheme. Jesus like, Christ. Like, what him. an absolute chode. Think bigger, my dude. Think global, my dude. He could have think- invested it and give them their money back later. Right.
0: But I think it's, uh, I think it's time for the third one, for sure. And I actually enjoyed this a lot
1: in terms of characters. I loved this one. There's, uh, there's a little bit of a romance aspect to it. It was actually wild. So it starts off with Edamora wanting to do a scheme his own way. Yes. And then it morphs into Cynthia wanting to do one.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think, and that's where the real thing kicks off when Cynthia wants to do because she gets pissed the fuck off. Right. Um, so I know the second half is more recent for me, but the, it starts, what is the one that Edamora wanted to do? It's, How did it's anyone... the same thing. Oh, it's the same thing? Okay.
1: He basically wants to scam so this, this asshole into buying a painting for 30,000 yen. That's right. Or whatever euro. Yes, and he does. but it He turn... does, but it turns out the painting was worth like 20 million or Literally something.
0: Literally a lost art piece from like a long sought after artist that people thought was just gone like they'd never seen there's only so many that have ever been discovered and this guy is a well like internationally celebrated art appraiser and auctioneer and uh basically once once he basically buys this painting for absolutely dirt cheap cynthia gets pissed the fuck off and said we're gonna scam this guy back to sell it back to me And this point, I really enjoyed Cynthia and Thomas Mayer's relationship. Thomas Mayer is an artist of great talent, frankly, but his talent is very specific. He's only good at reproducing other art, but it's to a degree that would even fool the most seasoned of eye, which is a fascinating person to bring into something like this because, again, like I said, in the first, there was that quote: "Is that the artist needs to be associated with the art? It's just as important to have them both—the art made by that artist. When the drug was basically made by the fake doctor that's at Amura, but this whole other
1: job is about turning that on its head—that you don't actually need that. Well, so obviously counterfeiting it, like, kind of goes against a lot of that stuff, but I think it still makes a lot of sense because they talked like." um some art is only worth something because of the person who did it which still makes the thing they said in the first part a lot of you know still makes it relevant where you're saying the artist needs to be a part of the art right like you can't just like basically me and you can't make a masterpiece today and then people will be like that's worth 40 million dollars you know what I mean? Like we'd have to be someone right. someone like renowned or special or something like that for, for that to really like To actually be a yeah, thing. Be yeah. A thing. But this this particular job
0: also explores the exact opposite where that the art is only worth what the person is willing to consider it worth. Like and does well, the, that's
1: what everything is worth. Well, of
0: course, but but also the name behind who is saying what it's worth. So this guy is putting his reputation on the line. To say that this fake is the real thing, and because he said it was the was the real thing, everyone believed it to the point where this guy even told Thomas Meyer, Thomas Mayer, um,
1: John Mayer, okay, uh, we John get it. Mayer,
0: fine. He told Thomas, I know his name is Thomas Mayer. Oh, no, I was just uh, uh, yeah, he t- he told Thomas okay, cool. that um, <laughs> you need like you, I want you to make ten fake paintings. And sell it to me for basically I'll pay them pay you to make these because your talent is so good you would fool anyone. And if I say they're real, they are in all intents and purposes real as fuck. And we're gonna make a fuck ton of money. Well, you'll make a poultry amount compared to what I'm gonna make, but um and the guy does so and he changes over time, and this is a very interesting character change and development because Thomas and Cynthia did in fact have a relationship was that like remind me is that relationship legitimate or was
1: she kind of working a job but no, that was no, no, legitimate no, like, back in the day right like she wanted to marry him 100% yes okay this is way basically everything related to this guy, Thomas Mayer, and also the the art critic was was way before any of this like con stuff started happening. That's
0: right. But she did leverage that past to help. Of course. Yes. But, with this future. But like,
1: so the the thing that was also funny is that guy who was the art um, appraiser also gained his reputation by finding these art pieces that were lost to time. Yes. That this guy is making for him. Right. And so it's sort of like this interesting, f- self fulfilling wow. yeah. pros- prophecy kind of circular thing where I'm becoming famous because I'm finding these paintings that I'm having that I am appraising, but I'm also being famous, or I'm now I'm famous and now I can say anything. Any painting is the real deal. Yes, because like it's of like your ability. This, yeah. this weird duality of like an appraiser in this situation. Um but yeah I mean this this one had a lot of heart this this had the most heart I feel like out of, of any course, of them yeah. there was a lot of like like what does it really mean to love somebody and then like if they change does that mean you still love them like yeah. it, it was just like very like deep and then you know obviously with Farah who was right like it- basically it, it had this character that was in love with the appraiser for his eye for art yes and she had the bank role to yeah. buy the shit off of him which is how the money
0: in this job was gonna be made essentially right yeah um, so they kind of coaxed they kind of coaxed him to coax her into betting more than she possibly could after they got Thomas in the present with Cynthia's push to make this piece and he put his heart and fucking soul into that and basically it was so good and it was such a, a, a masterpiece in its own right That it was undiscernible, so the art appraiser kept pushing Farah, and she paid, like, what, $70 million for
1: it? Just, like, kept pushing her to sell more shit. He basically ends up way outbidding her ability, Yeah, and she isn't there to pay the check anymore. So it all lays on him, because he put the bids in. That's how it Right, and yeah,
0: she was bankrolling, and he kept asking for it. She's like, I can't do this. I can't. And- well,
1: basically, there was this subplot where they were trying to show Fair that this dude doesn't actually love her.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. So
1: that. they do end up showing her that, and then at that point, you know, we're up in the $70 million range. She's like, <laughs> hell no. The big daddy money right there. Well, because, you know, the guy's using her, and then also... Um, you know, disparaging her, saying she, you know, he can find a hotter, younger chick, but he just needs her money. Yeah. And so, in the middle of the bid- bidding, she deuces, and then he's basically forced to, to, to basically pay the hundred million or whatever. He does end up, you know, betting or, all his assets. Or not
0: just, all his assets bled. Like he's yeah
1: bidding, and then he ends up, you know, dumping all his shit, but all he, he has like the actual painting. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So. This one, yeah, it's a real, it's a nice dissection into a, a number of different relational archetypes. There's, like, the people who care for each other but change, the people who like each other for the wrong reasons, and it clearly ends up in another type of tragedy, financial tragedy. And I, yeah, I mean, it really was the one that made me feel the most. It was a fantastic final note for this first season. I think it was, it really shows, like, what these jobs can get into and, and you know while I I actually felt as a little bit cold to leverage that relationship. And while Cynthia initially was so willing to leverage that relationship with Thomas in the past to get this job done over time in that present, she just remembered more and more about, and Enamora gave that picture of the ring back to her that Thomas had drawn for her, said, I can't buy you one now, but here's one as a placeholder. It was, it was great. I mean, it was, it was just the one that kind of solidified the show that like, this is more than just a a con man show. They they're willing to go deep into uh into character development and relationships. So if you're looking for a little bit more depth in something that's not just a fantasy, this is the, the job of the three that really cement that for me. So
1: yeah, and like this show as a whole, I think that's what's really interesting about it, is it's like pretty slice of lifey, pretty mundane yeah. stuff. It's just like big brain height like heist type shit like you're saying. Yeah. But like it's very realistic there's not really a whole lot that happens that is like impossible yeah and so like it's definitely one of those things where like i feel like if, if you don't like fantasy anime or maybe you're like a little burnt out on all the shonen and stuff like that like this is an absolute like right up your alley like kind of thriller type thing like yeah. i feel like if you read you know any any thriller <laughs> books look to the shelf like look to my the shelf. massive sh- bookshelf of like multiple of that kind of ilk. <laughs> um I think you'd definitely enjoy this. Um another, and, one,
0: another one I would say is that this is in fact a very easy uh uh first gateway anime. Very easy. Agreed. Fantastic I think fantastic
1: dub. I honestly would say this is like a non supernatural version of Death Note almost. Yeah. If you like the mind games but and, smaller, obviously smaller scale. Right.
0: It, it it checks all the check boxes that you guys a uh, long-time listeners, the students that have listened to the Weebology podcast for a long time, know there's certain tenets for good, uh, gateway anime. You know, fantastic dub, international setting. It doesn't take place barely at all in Japan. Um, you have a lot of, uh, it's no supernatural stuff. Very low, well, if any, well used fan service. You know, like honey pots Essentially, they're supposed to look hot as fuck. And yeah, yeah of yeah, course, like, that's going literally
1: to. the point. That's literally the point.
0: Yeah. Um so you checks still, all the boxes yeah.
1: relatively tasteful. Yes,
0: very tasteful. And Pretty you're tasteful. like you, even if you're not a fan, you're gonna look at Cynthia like,
1: okay. Okay, B- good. Okay.
0: You're B- get, B- okay. I'm okay. down. I see you, Miss more. All right. But yeah, so um, you know.
1: Absolute uh, fire. I think easily a nine point four, ninety-four out of a hundred um dum dumb, dumb <laughs> I was gonna say ninety two out of a hundred
0: water pur- water purifiers. Oh, yeah. interesting. I want a little lower. Um I, I think I love the aesthetic and I got to give my animation rant out, but I love the aesthetic. All the backgrounds were real lo-fi, but watercolor look yeah. in a lot of cases, fantastically striking visuals. Um, And uh, what studio did a fantastic job on this animation. Everything exactly was what it needed to be in the moment. Character designs were fucking great, Uh, but 92 out of a hundred. I think Singapore really kind of knocked it down. Just a couple for me. It, uh, it was fun. It, it felt slapdash. In some ways, like it didn't feel so clean as one and three did, but it was still fun. It was really engaging and it was very exhilarating to watch those planes do their thing, but um CGI was tasteful and no yeah, ninety two. Yeah. Ninety
1: two. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's great. If you haven't watched it, you absolutely need to and um shit, that's about it. Fuck. I don't know. Get man. out there and pretend yourselves. You'll go rob a bank. <laughs> Yeah, if you need any pointers, let, let the FBI know.
0: Yeah, let the FBI know. They're they're They'll already listening. Out. They're already listening. They'll help so. you out. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming to class. If you want to watch with your eyes and your ears, hello, YouTube gang. I know I said that the last two, but we did time-lapse those. Let's, let's just hope that this all turned out like it was supposed to. Yeah, we've had an interesting technical stuff, but you know what? We're powering through, because that's what scientists do. And if you want to listen with your ears and not your eyes, go to Spotify, Apple Stitcher, Google... Castbox, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you get your podcast fixed. If you want a little extra eye content, come on over to Instagram at Webology.podcast. We got memes on memes, on news, and sometimes giveaways. <laughs> and um, yeah, what else we got? Twitter?
1: Twitter at WeBologyP. You yeah. can hit us up on the email at uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Actually, pretty good French accent. I will um, commend you on that one. If you want to give us any
0: little monetary love, if you have the ability to do so, come on over to Patreon.com slash WeBology. Um, $1 and up will get you into our Discord. $3 and up will get you the Syllabus Sidebar, our non-anime riffy content that comes out typically every Thursday morning.
1: Not not exclusively non-anime. Yeah, but sometimes, yeah. More yeah, some, yeah, and yeah. planning for the definitely future. much more like free form than this show. Yeah. In in um, the middle of my editing, I have But yeah, subscribe on all our platforms, fam. Yes,
0: I have merch designs ready to go. We just need to pick companies. We gotta just do that. Okay. We'll let's get let's do that. Well we're gonna do that soon. So everyone who is a patron, five and up, or I think three will get you. Uh, stickers and five and up will get you a pin $25 get you a t-shirt twice a year and uh you know get yourself some sweet mailables some grabables some swag some, some sweet swag but i think honestly that is it i'm ricky
1: and i'm your favorite ethan oh and this has been webology juices <laughs> <Deuces. laughs>
0: you're the favorite ethan of all Ethans. yeah yeah. <laughs> i can i, can, I, I can feel like that's reasonable that. that's a reasonable thing <laughs>